Welcome to the web broadcast of New Life Foursquare Church in Milledgeville, Georgia. Thanks for joining us today. We encourage you to download the sermon notes from our website and follow along as Dr. Terry Stair brings you the uncompromising Word of God. Here's Dr. Terry Stair with today's message. I don't know if you had a chance to reflect on, uh, on last week's message. I found a few of the uh, notes left in the church. I hope you took yours home with you. Um, because it's, <clears throat> it's important that we understand the uh, principle of seeing below the surface. Most all of us, at least in some sense or context, have looked at life or have heard people who are talking about Christianity say that the church is filled with hypocrites and that's why I don't go there. And that the hypocrites really, that term is not, is not correct. Because in reality we're not talking about hypocrites. We're talking about the problem of people having 90% of who they really are below the water level. And that every now and then, we get a glimpse of that in our dealings, in our associations, or in our relationships. A few years ago when I came back, I guess it was from Philadelphia, and I put the banner up here that John Martin had made about what was the key to church health. And the key to church health is forgiveness. You cannot have any relationships, and you cannot have vibrant living relationships without forgiveness. Now, how many in here this morning can honestly and truthfully say that you just love to forgive people? Hmm? How many can say, I, I love it. It's, I look forward every day to something happening so I can forgive <laughs> That is the mindset that you must come to. You must come to that mindset. You must come to the mindset that as a spiritual person, as a believer in Christ, the way that this family, everybody has a family, right? You, you came from a family, you're in a family in some context, and you have some family teaching, some family bringing up or upbringing. That dysfunctional family that you were in had a way of doing something. But now that you're in a new family, which is the family of God, we need to remind ourselves daily that the, this family don't do that stuff that we were taught as we were growing up. We don't do that. We don't do that anymore. We're not like that anymore. And in fact, it might take years for us to unlearn that stuff. It did me. I knew that my dad and my mother had done some things that I could not, could not repeat. I could not repeat this. To some extent, I did a little bit until I began to, to recognize that i got to deal with this. When you deal with it, turn to somebody and say, when you deal with it, you're going below the water. See, that's, that's that stuff that's down there that we don't want other people to see, that 90%. You know, some of the things that I, uh, I actually did to, to my wife when we first got married... Uh, there was a period of time when I was ashamed of it and nobody knew it. I mean, I didn't tell nobody. But then, as I began to go below the waterline, I began to share that with people, not in bragging, 
but in a, in a way of, of repentance. Repentance to Debbie and repentance to, to, uh, to the Lord. Because I had to deal with, with this stuff that was below the waterline. It wasn't going to go away. But I had to deal with it in order for it to be fixed. So if your family life taught you something and that stuff is still, it's still hanging around, and every now and then you actually act it out or live it out. And sometimes because it's so ingrained in you, it takes you a few minutes now to even realize you're doing it. You go, oh my goodness. But one of the ways in which we begin the process of becoming healthier believers and healthier Christians and healthier men and healthier women is to become aware of what we're like. That might even require at some point to you writing down a list of the things that you've noticed about yourself. I get angry at the drop of a hat. I hit people. (laughs) Then you have to ask yourself the question, why? Why do I hit people? You know, if I hit people, why do I do this? There's got to be a reason that I do this. And when you begin to, uh, to, to become aware of it, and then you ask the question, why? Then you begin to find ways in which you can deal with that particular issue in your life. Especially the things that you, you come to know from the revelation of God, that you don't like those things. God is not pleased with them. You become aware of them, but you also know that you're not, you're not pleasing the Lord when you act like that, or when you do that stuff. And that in the new family... The new family doesn't put up with that stuff. We don't do that stuff. We're new people. We're godly people. Have you ever said, well, I just give up on that. I give up on them. See, that's the way the old family does. We just give up. I'm not doing this anymore. The new family, the family of God, strives with one another. It endures all things. And it sees that at the end of this, there will be a reward. And the reward will be good relationships, healthy living, getting along with people, loving one another, uh, loving one another well. Remember I gave you last week, I gave you the little diagram of loving God, loving yourself, and loving others, and loving them well. Not just putting up with them. You know, you know when somebody's putting up with you. You know, they're just putting up with me, you know. Or they're just putting up with you. No, you don't want to put up with people. You want to love them well. That means you do whatever it takes. You struggle through. Let me read you a testimony, if I may. I I know you didn't come here to be bored with reading. But just let me read you a testimony. This testimony, uh, the person's name... It's not a real name, it's just a name they chose. But we're going to call this person Heather. It says, I love the gospel. Before I really understood it, although I had been a Christian for ten years, I hid from my wretchedness, my defenses, my broken parts, even the abuse that I suffered as a young girl. In fact, I was always hiding. I hid my anger. I hid my jealousy, I hid my arrogance, I hid my conditional love, my selfishness, my brokenness, my mistakes, 
my weaknesses, my inadequacies. These things were unacceptable in the Christian circles. I knew they were unacceptable, so I hid them all. I didn't think I would be liked or accepted if I was not so strong and together like everyone else. Who would want to listen to what I had to say? I always had to prove that I was capable, strong, perfect, righteous. In the past, when I had a hard time loving others, I just became despondent and and had despair. I'm a Christian. I'm not able to do the very essence of what Christianity is, I would say to myself. Then I realized that I continued to depend on my own self-righteousness to recommend myself to God's favor. I unconsciously had what people call the daisy method. He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. Based on how well I did my spirit walk. Then I studied Galatians. I received a fresh and powerful grasp of the gospel. I don't have to prove anything anymore. Or to anyone. Which is how I was unconsciously living my life in the past. I now understand that I am perfectly loved and accepted by God because of the life of Jesus. Because of His death and resurrection for me. I know loving, no, I love knowing that I have nothing left to prove because I am already valued by God. I'm already loved and accepted by Jesus Christ. And now I get to live free and be me. I came out of my hiding. I'm free to fail. I'm free to show my weaknesses. I'm free to show my needs to others. To admit, I don't know what to do. I don't know at all. I am wrong. Please forgive me. To recognize that I don't have the answers. To have fun in life. And to realize that I don't have to take care of everybody's problems. You see, when you begin to live the life of a Christian, the way the Bible tells it, the way the Bible explains it, then we don't have to pretend anymore. I said this a few years ago. If you're hiding who you really are, the only person you're fooling is yourself. Because everybody already knows who you are. We see it. As I said Wednesday night, you see, our life is like a pot or a vase. And inside of that vase is all the stuff of our life. And whenever something happens, whatever that is, that pressure, that conflict, then we'll seep out who we really are. It just kind of just slips out. And it slips out in many ways. It might slip out just in a little burst of anger. It might slip out in a little rudeness or crudeness or a foolish jesting where we just, you know, we'll say something and then some, we can notice that maybe that didn't come out right and we'll say, oh, wow, I'm just kidding. And in reality, we're not kidding. We really meant that. See, that's why as believers, there are certain things we just can't have fun about. Can't have fun with other people's emotions and feelings. You can't have fun with other people's weaknesses and other people's struggles. 
You can't make fun of, of, of how a person is, is fighting the good fight. That's not something you can jest about. Because it involves other people's emotions. It involves other people's real life, where they really live. And whereas you might be able to just make a joke about it, in reality it's painful to them. You know why we don't want to share? Because it's painful. And we're afraid that if we do share, when we share, somebody will take our pain and make it worse. That's why we have to be real gentle with each other. The Bible says tender. Now I thought this last night. <clears throat> why in the world did my mama name me tender? See, that's what Terry means, tender. I'm not tender. Maybe she was hoping I would be. See, if you, if you really think about what God wants you to be, and you focus on it, and you become aware of it, and you work at it, you'll be able to learn a new way of living. Now I want you to take the paper that I gave you, because this is from Galatians. Galatians is a book that frees us. Paul says, you need to be set free. And I don't know about you, uh, but even though you might be a Christian, sometimes you can feel like you're still in bondage, or you can feel like the enemy is just, he's still got me somehow. This is one of those things where it doesn't matter how you feel. You remind yourself what the Word says. You might feel like you're in bondage. It might even look like it to, to some degree that you're in bondage. But in reality, the Spirit has freed us. And we can speak that. You know, somebody said the other night uh, in one of the chat rooms that they were not feeling well. And I said, I'm not going to deny that you're not feeling well. I said, but what are you, what are you speaking over yourself? Are you speaking... You know, there's a tendency when you're not feeling well to just keep saying it. You know, I just feel awful. I just feel awful. God, I'm getting worse. And you know what? The more you say that, you seem to get more and more worse. But if you begin to speak the word, by his stripes I'm healed. I claim his healing power. You know, his, his sacrifice has set me free. If you begin to speak his word over you. He bore my sicknesses and disease. As you begin to speak the word over you, your faith begins to arise in you and you begin to feel better. And even if you're not physically feeling better, you're at least acting better. <laughs> By faith. And you're able to live a freer and happier life. Look, look at here. I'm, I'm going to read this and you can, you can follow along. Uh, do you have any more, Joel? John doesn't have one, I don't think. Maybe Mr. Bueller, do you have one? Yeah. Alright, it says it's absolutely clear that God has called you to live a free life. See, it's absolutely clear. If you're not clear about that, I don't want you to leave here without knowing that it's absolutely clear. He doesn't want you to have to hide no more. He doesn't want you to be in bondage no more. It's absolutely clear that you're free. Just make sure you don't use the freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do. See, just because you're free doesn't mean you can just act anyway and do anything and just be uh, oblivious to what that freedom can do to other people. You know, I can't say, well, I'm free and then just be mean to people and rude to people or unkind to people. No, that freedom is not an excuse to destroy that freedom. 
That freedom is within the boundaries of God. Always remember that. That's the only boundaries I have. I don't have my boundaries. I don't have my family boundaries. I don't have the way I was brought up boundaries. I have only the boundaries of God. And so I'm free in His boundaries. Then it says, use your freedom to serve one another in love. The next time you catch yourself complaining about doing something that is of God for somebody else, remember that you're serving one another in love. Stop complaining about it. Stop it. If Jesus asked you to do something, would you hesitate? Yet when other people ask us to do something, why are they always bothering me? They're using me. I don't want to be used no more. I don't want nobody to, to, to take advantage of me. Would you tell Jesus not, not to do that? See, the Lord has, has asked us, He said, as you serve one another, you serve me. We can't really serve Jesus. He sits on the throne and don't need anything. But he said, look, do it to the least of these and you've done it to me. So stop worrying about serving one another. That's the calling of God. That's what we're supposed to do. Now I realize we can't do everything. So you know, I'm not advocating here this morning that you have to do everything. I'm just saying that when you're given the opportunity, don't grumble about it. Look at what it says next. It says, that's how freedom grows. You know, you will become an easygoing person doing whatever God has called you, not being bothered by it, because you just love people. And you're living in freedom. Can you, can you imagine Jesus? Can you imagine the disciples come to him and say, you know, somebody needs you. And he says, oh, why do they always bother me? Can you imagine? No, he wouldn't do that. So you see, he's shown us how to live a free life. A life of freedom by serving one another and having that freedom that is strong. It says, for everything we know about God's word is summed in a single sentence. Love others as you love yourself. I don't know how I can get any clearer than that. In other words, if you would do it for you, uh, that's the old golden rule, do unto others what you have them do to you. Huh? See, it's the old golden rule. If you do it for you, 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 you should do it for them. If you bite and ravage each other, watch out. In no time you'll be annihilating each other, and where will your precious freedom be then? Have you noticed how we can tear one another up within just a few seconds? See, if I know your weakness and I know, and I know the things that you're, you're uh, uh, susceptible to, if I know what your buttons are, I can push those buttons real quick and boom, boom there you go. I just wept you out. And so he says, watch out. Just because you've been, you've, you've been able to have an intimacy with one another, that you know one another well, does not give you the right to use that against each other. In fact, we must protect it. We must guard one another's weaknesses. Joel told me about the, uh, the little uh, movie that, that him and Sam went and watched. And I guess Andrew watched it too. Where the... Uh, this is not necessarily the best example, but I, I, I thought that it was an interesting example about the, uh, the person that wanted to be uh, a Spartan, but he was crippled. 
And he had the sword and the shield and the, the cloak and everything. And he wanted to be a Spartan. So he came to Leonidas and said, I want to be a Spartan. And he said, well, raise your shield. And he tried to raise his shield, but he couldn't raise his shield. And Leonidas said, do you know your dad taught you, but he didn't very well. Because you see, you're going to have to be able to protect the guy standing next to you. If you can't raise your shield, how can you be a Spartan? The shield was not to protect you. It was to protect him. And you had to rely on that guy to protect you. So each person's life was interdependent upon one another. And when they fought, they didn't fight as individual one man. They fought as a unit together. Knowing that everybody's life relied on each other. And as believers, see, that's what we have to realize. Is that to be healthy, I have to take care of you. And as I take care of you, I take care of me. We cannot do these things alone. My counsel is this. Live freely, animated, motivated by God. Or God's Spirit. Then you won't feed the compulsives of of selfishness. See that? That selfishness is in every one of us. We learned it, or we were born with it, or both. Just give you an inch, you'll take a mile. Yeah, you will. We all will. That selfishness cannot be fed. That is the root of sinful self-interest in us that is at odds with the free spirit of God. Just as the free spirit is incompatible with selfishness. These two ways of life are antithetical. That means they're opposed to one another. They don't, they don't, they don't work. You can't be selfish and serve God. They don't work. So that you cannot live at times one way and at times another way to how you feel on any given day. Why don't you choose to be led by the Spirit and so escape the erratic compulsions of a law-dominated existence? Now here's the part in parentheses that I wanted to get to. It's obvious. Jason used to jest with us and say that he was kept in obvious. I've found out that most people that are kept in obvious are not, uh, they are oblivious to their own uh, things that are out of order. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's not Jason. I'm talking about all of us, you know. When we claim to have arrived and we say, well, it's obvious, in reality, there's a lot of stuff that we just aren't seeing about us. But it should be obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. It should be obvious. Repetitive, loveless, cheap, cheap sex, a stinkling acclamation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grass for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfying wants, a brutal temper. Have you ever acknowledged a brutal temper? You know, I, I have. An impotent, uh, an impotence to love or be loved. That means you just you don't know how to love people, and you don't know how to let people love you. You just don't know how. Divided homes. 
and divided lives. Small-minded, lopsided pursuits. The vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival. You disagree with me? You're my enemy! We can do that easy. You know, somebody don't like us, somebody don't uh, say something just right, and boom, that's it. They're, we write them off. Scratch them out. They, they're nothing no more. Depersonalize them. They're enemies. I've been through a few divorces in my life. And I've always watched this. How, I, how one person, or maybe both of them, they just simply write the other person off. They don't exist no more. I don't care what they think. I don't care what they feel. I don't love them. I don't care about them no more. Just write them off. They're not there no more. Free lives can't do that. Bondage lives can. People that are living in a way, in a pattern of life that is in bondage to the old things that are dead can write somebody off. But a person that's free in Jesus can't do it. Because they see everybody as having value. Everybody is important. When a person doesn't no longer talk to you anymore, you don't go, well, I didn't want to talk to them anyway. You go, it's breaking my heart that they won't speak to me. How can people go years and never talk to one another? Because they depersonalize this person. They, they just don't exist. In their minds, they're dead. They're the enemy. Uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions. If you don't believe you're an addicted person, everybody is in here is addicted to something. The, the, the key is don't let it get uncontrollable. It can't get out of control to where it controls you. Ugly parodies of community. Meaning, meaning that you have a, a, a foolish, dumb idea about how community should be. Community, oneness, is described by God. But we can get these warped ideas. I was talking to Ayla and Joel yesterday and I asked them, how many people are here? And they said, well, me and you and Sister Debbie and Joel. How many people are here in this room today? single person you've ever met in your life's here. With you. Every person you've, that's ever impacted your life, influenced you, good or bad, they're here with you right now. This room is filled with a whole lot of people. You don't just act like just you and you alone. You act like everything that's impressed upon you, whether good or bad. That's why when you become aware of those things, you know, when I start acting like my daddy, I become aware of it. I say, oh, no, no, no. Uh-uh. When I start acting like somebody that's taught me something that's wrong, uh-uh. That's why we have heroes. You have a hero because you want to be like them. You want them to impress you. Jesus is our greatest hero. We want to remind ourselves, what would Jesus do? When we're in a situation, a conflict, uh, any kind of a, of, a, of a decision that must be made in life, we want to respond to it the way that the Lord would want us to respond to it. Even though all those other things come into play. 
They're all in the room there. We're all... Those, have you noticed that? When you're trying to make a decision, you have 10,000 thoughts running through your mind right away? That's everybody that's ever said something about that. You hear it all being replayed again. Just fast motion. Brain's an awesome thing. And then you decide what you're going to do. I could go on. Are y'all reading it? (laughs) What Paul is saying is, hey, if you don't have it now, I could go on. But I hope you got it by now. Then look at this. This isn't the first time I warned you. If you use your freedom this way, you will not inherit God's kingdom. Now, that scripture has been used to say people won't go to heaven. Let's stop that right now. If you've had that, push the erase button there. That, that part is gone, okay? Let's erase that part of our brain. If you act like this, you won't go to heaven. Because you see, if you get that, that one deep in you, then every time you go, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm lost. My dad, in his first week, he got saved ten times. Because every time you see, the evangelist would say, if you are a born again believer, you do not sin. So he would, I sinned today. Gave the altar call. i got to go get saved. So he got saved ten times the first week. Because he didn't understand. So let's just erase that. that it, it, this is not talking about. What this is talking about is that you will not be able to live down here with one another and get along like the kingdom of God if you don't deal with these things. You'll have conflicts, arguments. You'll live an unsuccessful and unhealthy Christian life down here. Because the kingdom of God starts first in you. Or it doesn't. And how many knows that you've been around people that have been in church for years and you can't see the kingdom there at all. It's, 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 you look for it, but it's, I don't see it. Where's it at? It's got to be there somewhere. I, I know Jesus touched this life. <laughs> but I don't see it. But what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives. First gift He brings us is is grace. My goodness, thank God for grace. I get forgiveness. I I get to start over. It's the only place I can come and I get a clean slate. God says, I don't remember what you did. Oh my goodness, thank you Lord. I get to start over, I get a clean slate, and He gives me a brand new gift. Much the same way that fruits appear in the orchard. Things like affection for others. Huh. I start caring about other people's feelings. When I hurt them, now it bothers me to hurt them. And I back up and I ask for forgiveness because I have a new gift now. A fruit. A fruit of affection. An exuberance about life. You know, some people want to die. They want to put a gun in their mouth and just blow their brains out. But when you live the kind of life that God wants you to live, you want to live. You want to be a blessing. You don't want to kill yourself. You want to enjoy life. When the gift of God comes into our life and He begins to produce fruit in us, there's a peace there. There's a serenity there. 
Nothing, nothing disturbs us quite as easily as it used to. Because now we have serenity. You grew up in a home where there was never any peace, so what do you desire in your home? Peace. Maybe that's why Kristen's naming her serenity, huh? <laughs> he wants peace in his home. We develop a willingness to stick with things. I don't give up easy. Have y'all noticed that? I'm like a person looking for a treasure. I, I would send my kids to find something. They come back in ten minutes, can't find it. And I'd ask them, I said, look, what, what, what would you do if you were looking for a piece of gold? Would you give up that quick? See, Dad just asked me to do it. I looked. I gave it a half try. Thank you, Dad. <laughs> now, I may not have really been there. You know, I have to give them credit. Sometimes I, I send them to the wrong place. So, But when you are given an opportunity to do something, don't give up on it. Persevere all the way through. Give it your best shot. A sense of, of compassion in the heart. You care about things you didn't used to care about. A conviction that holiness permeates things in people. We know that man is evil. We know that man is corrupt. But don't we also believe that somewhere down deep inside there is something that is of God? And that if it can come to life and be reborn and be touched by the Almighty, that it will change that person? See, if we believe, if we don't, I, go, I tell them in prison, I say, if I don't believe that God can change you, then we ought to kill you and let me go home. Why am I here? If I don't believe that God can do anything to really change what your future is, then let's just shoot you and get it over with. Why waste our time? But see, we don't. We do believe that there is a chance that there's holiness and there's righteousness somewhere down inside of you. And if God works in your life, if you let Him do things in your life, it will change you. Then we, we find ourselves, this is one thing I want you to, I'm going to close with this. We find ourselves involved in loyal commu- uh, commitments. You know what a loyal commitment is? It's found in, the, one of the examples is found in this book here. It's what I used to give to everybody when they became a member of the church. About being committed to you. There is nothing in the world that she can do that will change the way I feel. I may not like it, but it ain't going to change it. I'm committed to death. Are you in a community of faith that is committed to death? Somebody asked me years ago, Well, Pastor, are you leaving Milledgeville? You're looking for another church? I said, There's only one way that I'd ever leave this town, and that is if God told me to. I'm not saying I just got a feeling. You know what I'm saying? I got a feeling. I think I'm being led. I have heard that so much, I'm sick of it. You cannot use God to avoid God. And that's what we do. God is trying to do something in our life and we'll use Him to avoid it. God is leading me. No, He's not. God knew this church was this way when He sent you here. He 
If he just wanted you to stay a few months, he wouldn't have sent you. He would have sent you somewhere else. But if he sent you here, then he has a reason for you, and you should be committed to it. And if, if he does send you somewhere else, everybody will know it. It just won't be just you. In the book of Acts, they prayed and fasted. And God said, send Paul and Barnabas on a trip. I want them to go. One sister came to me years ago and she said, Brother Steer, God's leading me to another church. I said, are you absolutely sure? She said, I'm absolutely sure. I said, then Sunday night I want you to come and let us pray for you and send you out. She didn't come. She would not come. Why? Because she was in rebellion. She didn't even want God's blessings to go. (laughs) She just wanted to leave. Let me tell you something. We'll all be tempted to not be committed to the things we're committed to. We will be. But we will not grow. We'll just move to another place and continue. That hump is going to come back again right there. We're going to go through it again. Committed to loyal commitments. Not needing to force our way. Able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Let me say, this is my closing thought. If you will use the energy that you use in an unwise way, if you'd use those energies wisely, there wouldn't be anything you couldn't do. We, we expend a whole lot of energy to get silly things. And then when there's something that is really important, we just won't go that. We, that's too much trouble. 